yes, I may not be where you were at at my age, but none of us, our entire generation isn't where our parents were. None of us are put in a position where like we have to raise an entire family in our early 20s. We are the generation, specifically millennials, that are learning how to be very different than our parents lived. And it's difficult because we think it's wrong. So we think that there's something wrong because we're not following the same footsteps. It's impossible. The world is different. The economy is different. Every single thing that would make us get to the point where they were at is no longer the same. So I think when we get to the point where we mutually understand that about each other, they also gain a different type of respect. We're doing the best that we can with what we were dealt. Although our lives right now look very different from they were, it doesn't make it wrong. There is no right or wrong. It's just what's working for you at the moment. How do you handle being pressured into a relationship you don't want? And why does society stigmatize women who choose to be single? You're listening to Unsween and Unfilter the Podcast, Episode 3 of Season 4. At times, society tends to be a bit outspoken when it comes to seeing people engaging in different life choices, and that includes being single. It seems as though whatever cultural background you come from, being divorced and choosing singlehood can make those around you scratch their heads a bit. So in this episode, I sit down with May Abdeljabir, a first-generation Palestinian-American writer, editor, content creator, and media professional. She earned her degree in communications, media studies, and psychology, and is currently pursuing a master's of science in psychology. The topic of divorce is no stranger to this podcast, but today's conversation will peel back a few more layers that are in dire need of attention. May and I each delve into our own personal life journey post-divorce and the unsolicited advice we've received from others, especially strangers, about how to move forward. When strangers find out that May has chosen to be single for the last couple of years, their matchmaking skills take center stage. So why is being single viewed as a shortcoming? And why aren't we talking about the cultural constructs that are to blame at times when it comes to the demise of certain relationships? In this conversation, we discuss the impacts of divorce and how it can make you question everything you know about love and even yourself. We dive into the stark contrast between the life choices that we are making versus that of our parents and how it's not a marker of failure if our lives do not mirror theirs. Most importantly, we discuss the complexities of how men have been conditioned to view relationships, the pressures that they face themselves. And regardless if you're single, married, or divorced, this conversation touches on the various family dynamics and how they affect the way that we navigate today's relationships. Let's dive in. Thank you so much for joining me today, May. You know, this is probably one of the best ways to start the season and having this discussion. You know, sometimes when I start a season, I don't know what the theme is going to be. But the one theme that honestly never goes out of style is relationship struggles. But today we're going to dive a little bit deeper into the cultural constructs of our community and what that entails and how that affects our upbringing and the relationships that we're entering and the marriages that we're starting and the families that we're having and so much more. And I feel like this is such a perfect conversation to have, especially when, you know, we've talked about relationship struggles before. But this time, like I said, it's from a completely different perspective. So I can't wait to hear your thoughts on this. But I would love for you to first introduce yourself, inshallah, and then we can get right into it. Hi, Dania. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here and to talk about all of the juicy things yes. that we're going <laughs> to dive into. My name is May Abdul-Jabber. I am a writer and I'm a student of our society and culture. I studied communications and psychology uh, many years ago in undergrad, but as I developed my writing a little bit more, more and became more published through platforms like Miss Muslim and platforms like Kedish, I uh, decided to take it a step further and focus on the psychology of our cultural constructs, specifically in, in Arab culture and Arab Western culture too is, uh, is very important because that adds another layer to our identity that is very different from mm-hmm. just growing up in the Middle East or just growing up in the U.S., 
I honestly admire your work and I love reading your articles. And I first found you through Miss Muslim and it was incredible to work with Miss Muslim in the past um, through you. And I think it's an incredible online publication that a lot of women find themselves in the stories that you guys have shared. You guys don't hold back in regards to the topics that you guys have talked about, which I absolutely love. So it's like, it's incredible to see all of these platforms rising up and being able to discuss the issues that for the longest we've always kept hidden. And now you're working for Kaddish, which is an incredible brand too, as well. And I absolutely love what you guys are doing there. You know, all of us have our own personal story. And I feel like because of our personal stories, that's what fuels our passions. It's what fuels our work that we publicly put out there. And for you and I, the one thing that we can relate to is the fact that we've gone through a divorce. So interesting because you said you had a delayed reaction to your divorce. And when you said that, I realized like, you know, actually, I think I did too. At At some point, I felt like, it, it didn't hit me. It didn't dawn on me. Do you want to talk about that? And like, I guess the aftermath of what you went through after making such a huge decision like that? Yes, absolutely. I guess what happened through Miss Muslim, which is again, thank you for acknowledging what an incredible platform it is. It's it really gave me the courage, I guess, to to be more outspoken about issues that I was finding are very common among women in our community. So once I started exploring my own story through that platform, and I started getting the feedback that I was getting from other women that also maybe experienced divorce or experienced just a difficult relationship, or are trying to understand themselves more through the opposing, like the contradicting dynamics of how they grew up and who they are now, it really gave me kind of like I had that light bulb go off. I think I probably should explore this more. I think I need to dive into this more because because of the feedback and the reaction that we're getting, obviously, this is a a common issue. And what better way can we make small changes if we're not doing it together? I think what happened was is when you're going through something, you're going through the motions, you're just doing it. Like you're not thinking about what it means so much. You're not absorbing the emotion that comes with it. You're just taking it step by step and day by day. And you're like, this is what I have to do. This is what I decided. This is how I'm going to move forward. This is, you know, I don't really know what the next phase of my life is, but here we are. And I think when it's all said and done, is when you kind of stop and you reflect and you're like, oh my God, my life is so different than what I thought it was going to be. Like, this is not what I pictured. I didn't picture being here at this age, completely starting over and not knowing what that looks like. And I think that was kind of the delayed reaction that we talked about. And by the way, that probably happened like two years after. (laughs) It didn't even happen during or right after, because I think there's a reaction that a lot of women have. And I've noticed this is a common trend and I'm not judging it. I'm not saying that it's good or bad, but where you're releasing and you're letting loose and you feel like, okay, I have this huge weight lifted off my shoulders and I'm just going to have fun, do all the things that I didn't get to do during that period of time, because you almost feel like there was a stage in your life that was taken away from you. It's not actually the case when you look back and you learn, but that's how you feel initially. And that's a very, very common reaction that many women have. It's not a response. It's a reaction. There's a big difference. And we can talk about that a little more later, but that's kind of what happened to me. So two years later, I'm sitting, you know, in my parents' house and I was like, okay, like, this is not what I imagined. This is not what I pictured. And I completely like had to start understanding why things happened the way that they did and what I can do differently and how I want to show up for myself differently and how I want to show up in my next relationship very differently and what all that means. It's not an easy path because once you open once you open that door, it's like, oh God, there's so many things that you can't unknow. But yeah, that's that's what happened. And it took me on a very, very different journey that now I'm honestly, I'm very grateful for obviously, you know, hindsight 2020, but going through it, you're it's a, it's difficult. It's challenging, I should say. It's extremely challenging. It's so interesting because you just remind me of so many things because it's like, okay, you said two years, mine girl was like five, six years. <laughs> like it was really delayed. And I finally started seeing a therapist and therapist was like, where have you been? Because like, 
this is a lot that you've gone through. I mean, of course, any woman that has gone through divorce, it's always a lot because it's like now your identity has changed. Now it's almost like you're starting over, but not really because you you have this whole baggage that you went through, you know? And I will always remember there was once like this event that I went to, it was like a party or like some engagement party or whatever. And I think I was kind of still like fresh off my divorce. So yeah, I was in that phase where I was like, oh my God, I can breathe. I can do what I want. Not that I was going wild. I was just going out with friends, having dinner dates, enjoying myself, posting me being actually genuinely happy, not fake happy. And I remember somebody at the engagement party, they were like, oh, look at you, divorce, and this is what you wanted. She's like, some of us are still like miserable. I was like, wait, what? I was like, what does that have anything to do with me? And and at that moment, I was like, we can never win. If I was sitting there miserable, people would have told me like, get over it. You're out of it. Like, call us, like, move on. But then here's the flip side of me actually like, yeah, over it, moving on, enjoying my life. And it's like, oh no, look at you, like enjoying life. Like that's not allowed. You're supposed to be miserable. Like I felt like my reaction to it almost kind of like kept going up and down depending upon what society was telling me how to feel. Like when I was in my small bubble at home and when I went through it, I think that's why I had the delayed reaction because I had my family protecting me, my family reassuring me that you did the right thing. And then you go out into the real world and everybody has a reaction to what you just decided to do with your life. Like every single person, people that you've never spoken to in your life will approach you and tell you what they think about divorce or anything like that or your situation. It was so hard to navigate that part of my life because first of all, divorce, at least for me, something that was not on my bucket list. Never did I ever add that to my bucket list. So to go through something like that and have every single person tell you what they think is a lot. And especially given my age, I was super young. I grew up in a very sheltered household. So I was just so distraught at one point that I think I numbed myself that I just like forgot that I was divorced. I really, what I wanted to do was navigate life in a way where I wanted to erase it out of everybody's memory. I wanted some like time machine where I can just like take it out of everybody's mind that I was ever married, that I was ever divorced, that I ever went through something like that. And just to be able to live and exist in a world before then. But of course, that's that's not the real world. Can we talk about like how our society, our community, no matter how educated we are, we still kind of hold these values that we were kind of growing up with, that divorce is bad and that what you went through is kind of like seen as a failure. I remember also a lot of what you were saying kind of reminded me of my own experience where the second, you know, very soon after I was re-entering society as like a new, you know, newly single. I everybody decided had unsolicited opinions that I was like, I didn't ask what you thought. I know that in some ways people's intentions aren't always to put you on the spot, but there was many, many moments where I was in a public event or wherever I was where the most random people would come up to me and give me their opinion on what they thought maybe I was courageous. They thought that it was the right thing to do. I I literally had someone come up to me and said, I knew that wasn't going to last. So I'm like, wow, people are extremely opinionated about someone's life that they weren't part of or that they had absolutely no involvement in. I also think that there was a level of our society waiting for me to kind of unleash or waiting for me to reveal things that I would never reveal or speak negatively about my ex or his family in a way that I would not do. And I wasn't giving them what they wanted. So when I wasn't giving them what they wanted, that's when people end up forming their own opinions. Or like you said, just saying, look, well, this is what she wanted. She just wanted, she wanted her freedom and she wanted this and she wanted to live her life on her own terms, which is true. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I do want to live life on my own terms. Exactly. What difference does it make whether someone that has nothing to do with my personal life has an opinion about it or not? Now, when you're young and like we were in our 20s and not understanding what that means, those things affect you, whether or not you think that they do. And I was in a place where I really didn't think that any of what anyone was saying or anyone's opinion really affected me. Because like I said, I was kind of just like in go mode. I was like just moving on, push through. And I didn't have the time to stop and think, man, I think all of these opinions and being kind of the center of attention at the time, because of course, you know, people move on to the next story and the next, you know, hot topic. But at the time, I was not understanding 
how or internalizing how these things were going to affect me later and how they were going to affect me in the decisions that I was making afterwards, which is who am I going to pick next and where am I going to live next and what am I going to do with my life now? And I have to be successful and I have to pick someone that's very impressive so that, you know, people or society can think that see, she made the right decision. She was better off for it without ever stopping to think, but what do I actually want? If I can block out everything that everyone said and everyone's opinion on a very early stage of my life that is no longer who I am, really. Like I think about, and I know that we talked about this too, Dania, where you look back, I'm like, who was that person? It's a completely different person. But why am I letting that still influence the decision? decisions that I'm making now. I think that it took a really long, long time for me to separate the two. I mean, long time, meaning like for me, I think it literally just happened this year. I don't know, or maybe in the last two years. Honestly, same here. I can on and it's been a long time. So I think I've been single for probably like seven or seven or eight years now. And I really can honestly say that in the last two years is when I was like, you know what, I cannot make decisions based on what I think people or my community thinks is is where I should be considering my like experiences up until this point. I know that it's easier to say, why do you care what people think? Why don't you just do what you want to do? <laughs> like, which is truly mostly how I live my life. Of course. <laughs> On the outside, that is how I live my life. But when it comes to these big decisions, it still like rings in the back of your mind a lot. It's like, wow, well, she was single all this time and that's what she ended, you know, she ended up with there and here. And it influences us in a way that we don't even realize. Exactly. It's subconscious. It's like, yeah, these big decisions, no matter what, whether you like it or not, and whether you try to avoid it or not, always has a large audience because these are decisions that you're making probably personally, but still it's public. Like you're going to get married. You're, people are going to see who your spouse is. They're going to, again, have their opinions. I don't think people are malicious. Not everybody's malicious, but yeah, like you said, everybody has an opinion. And yeah, sometimes these opinions get internalized. If I were to kind of give in, I would have probably been married a long time ago, again, after my divorce, because the one thing that I realized everybody wanted to play matchmaker. <laughs> it was so hard to tell people because at that time I didn't consider it trauma or traumatic what I went through. I knew what I I went through. I knew that was not normal what I went through. But at the same time, like when you're conditioned to kind of just stay silent about certain things, you kind of almost, you know, have this self-doubt where like, oh yeah, it's not a big deal what I went through. I, I made it out. I'm good. But it's like, you want to tell people like, you're about to put me into another marriage, even though I'm not even over the divorce that I just gone through, over the things that I gone through in that previous marriage. Like, how is that normal? And I think it's because I was reading about how the fact that like divorce is actually rated as a second most stressful life event after like somebody loses a spouse or a child. Literally, that's where it's ranked. After you lose your spouse or child, divorce would be the next stressful thing. But I don't think people grasp that. It's not to their fault. You know, I don't blame them because I think from the outside looking in, it just looks like two people that were in a dispute and they ended up like just leaving one another and that's what a divorce is. But you don't know the emotional and mental and physical toll sometimes these divorces, the reason why you've reached that point of wanting a, wanting a divorce. So sometimes I think about it like, you and I went through this like huge car wreck acting as if like nothing ever happened, you know? 100%. And I think that's why some people were just so quick to want to match make us. And I don't know about you, but to me, I felt like it was more like a competition to show like, hey, there was nothing wrong with her. So we're going to make sure that we find her a spouse to prove to you that it was him that was in the wrong and not her, that she's capable of being married. It's almost like marriage is this like rite of passage. Like if you're not married, there's something wrong with you. And we have to prove to every single person that does not matter to you, that has no like reason reason to ever like for you to ever care about their opinion for you to show them that yes I can be married again and happily married I think we're finally reaching the age where I'm making my own decisions and maybe I'm moving at a slower pace than what society wants me to but for the first time in my life well alhamdulillah I feel like I'm 
doing my thing and it feels good and it feels like I'm actually an adult making real life decisions for the one life that I was gifted. All it gave me a second chance in, in the fact that like, yeah, I got out of that divorce and now I'm living my life. But still, like you only have one chance at, in this life. Did you feel like if you were like kind of like matchmaking you and like pressuring you into that? Like, what what are your thoughts about that? Like, in, I guess when it comes to just like feeling pressured almost to having to be married because look, being single is just looked down upon. Like there's something wrong with you. Like people don't think about the just like relentless pressure that single people face when you're single because you're just constantly bombarded with like, hey, are you thinking about marriage? Hey, like you're getting up there with your age. Are you ever going to have kids? Like it's, you know what I mean? Yep. It's, it's difficult. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think that single Arab women specifically have a different layer of pressure based on, you know, our cultural expectations where marriage is drilled into our minds as the only accomplishment that matters from a very young age. Like we said, although we are, you know, have more educated parents and we came to the States and, and success and, and knowledge is, is encouraged. These things, there's generations and generations of these beliefs that are still living within us. So that is um, 100% something that I faced very, very soon after my divorce, which is the pressure of finding someone else. And I'm telling you, it was almost like a circus. The amount of, of like pressure that I got from so early on, like you said, I didn't have time to process. I wasn't even thinking this is something so big that happened in my life. I need time to process it. I need time to learn what happened, learn more about myself, redefine what I want, redefine what love means to me. If you're going from something that was unhealthy, perhaps, and look, not everyone gets divorced because it was horrible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, no, there's some good parts, obviously. People don't stay in relationships that are a million percent bad all the time. They don't. That's impossible. They stay because there's the good parts that kept them there. So what do you learn from that? What do you take from that? And then how do you redefine it for what you want next? Instead, you're again, like you, you said, you're being bombarded with people. What about this person? What about that person? And this person is this and that person is divorced too. I'm like, just yes. because we both oh have this gosh. means we're a good match. What does that even mean? I remember feeling that pressure, but also there was something, and I think this is what we call our intuition, is that really made me realize like I am not ready yet and I will no, I will know when there's somebody that comes into my life that brings me peace, that makes me feel like this is the right thing to do. And every time I didn't feel that way, I would get frustrated, but then I would also stop and, and think to myself, it's okay. Like we have to keep learning the lesson until we live by the lesson. There's a big difference between knowing what's happening and being aware of like, okay, I get it. I get it, God. I get it. I get it. keep presenting me these challenges. All right. I understand. But living by that with your behavior. And I, there was a big disconnect for me, honestly, because there were times where I fell into that pressure and I felt like, okay, I need to prove that it wasn't my fault. So there's all of these things that are ringing in the back of my mind. And I was in a way almost like forcing something to work that I knew wasn't going to work for all the wrong reasons. So until we not just learn the lesson, but we can live by that, exhibit that in our behavior and our decisions. I was like, that's where I want to be before that next jump, because you and I both know it is not a small decision. It's the rest, inshallah, the rest of your life. Someone that you are going to see every single day for the rest of your yes. life. Like those, when I think about it like that, I can't remember like, both our hearts like, dropped. We're like, wait, like it, it was like another realization. Like we knew this, but to say it out loud, like this is the person that that's it. I'm going to spend the exactly. rest of my life with. I'm going to wake up every single day and make a choice that you're the one. Like that's a huge choice, but we mi we minimize it. We make it so tiny. Like as if, if it, oh, it's just marriage or whatever find somebody love comes after I have to live with this person like I have to wake up to them exactly. I think I should like make sure I'm making the right decision a hundred percent and I think that that was in a way where although like it wasn't a plan 
obviously to be, you know, to, to have go through years of, of trying to understand this, but each and every year I have more clarity and each and every year I get more, you know, have more inner peace about it because I know it's having that certainty, having that like relentless faith that it's will be the right decision at the right time, no matter what anyone around me says, because it's kind of just like what happened with our divorces, right? It's a story. It's a fleeting story that eventually will expire. So the next person, maybe people will have their opinion about who it is and what and wow, I was expecting this and I was expecting that. And oh my God, she was, you know, it's been eight years. It's about time she got remarried. Exactly. (laughs) Like, at the end of the day, that lasts five minutes before it expires. And I'm the person that has to live with that decision for the rest of my life. So why not make it a really good one and not based on what we think is the right thing to do? And I think the more that I write about this and the more that I talk to other women about their experiences and the more I actually do the scientific research behind it, the more I realize that we are all, all still trying to like unlearn certain things that are not helpful to us anymore. Even though we don't, we may not know how to name what those things are. We may not know how to name those emotions yet, or we may not know how to distinguish what is right, what is correct and what is helpful to us versus what isn't. It's a journey and it's not something that where you snap your fingers and you're going to have all the answers. I honestly appreciate you, May, explaining it so perfectly because it's exactly how I feel. And you reminded me of like, you know, honestly, maybe for the longest why I haven't got married because I have this fear of getting a second divorce. Like it paralyzes me. That idea alone of getting a second divorce paralyzes me. Not that because I I know I can handle it. I don't want to, but I know I can handle a second divorce or when I know my faith is so strong in Allah that I am willing to accept anything that comes my way at this point. So whatever he has written for me, he has written for me and I will accept. But the one thing that I can't come to terms with is having to face society again after facing a second divorce. And that's my fear. You know, there's this like part of you that's comfortable being single, but then is it also because of the fear of like the unknown, the fear of like not wanting to having to go through that and possibly getting a second divorce? Like, there's a lot to navigate there, like trusting in Allah, but then being comfortable being single because you want to figure yourself out, but then also having that fear of not wanting to go through that again. There is just a lot that's going on there. So to those of you who think like being divorced is fun and we're like living our lives, <laughs> come inside my mind and you will not have fun. <laughs> like you will not like, and, and then add on the family factor. Like my parents have really backed off. They've seen what I went through. They really backed off. Like they've made a 180, but course, there's still those moments where like my mom like nudges me like, oh, I wish I had another grandchild. I wish you were married. I wish this, this and that. And it's really hard to tell my mom like, hey, I'm figuring myself out because at my age of 32, telling my mom that I'm figuring myself out when at 32, she had already all of her kids. She was already married. She moved from her homeland, came to a whole new country. And I don't blame our parents when they see this disconnect. Like what the heck? Like we literally like immigrated all the way to this new country, started a family, got a business and all that. And then you guys are figuring yourselves out at 32. Like, what is what is that all about? Like, do you feel that stress still? Like, I, I still appreciate my parents because again, no matter how much there is a, this generational disconnect, they still, they kind of give me the space now that I needed that I wish I had when I was younger. But again, as much as I've grown, they've grown as well with me. So I appreciate them for that. Right, right. Definitely where I'm at with uh, with my family too. I have to give my parents so much credit because they have evolved tremendously over the last several years. And I think that they've always have been. So my, you know, I'm very, very fortunate. My parents are incredible, incredible people. They're incredible teachers. They're both educated, like they met at NYU. So they don't have your like typical, they don't have your typical Arab love story, but those elements are still ingrained within them. Of course, same thing with my mom. She was probably 31 and she had all four of us already and really took on so much on her own to the point that I tell her till now, I'm like, I don't, do not know how you did it. I would not do that. I still I can't. (laughs) Like, how? How did you do it all with four kids by yourself? And same thing with with, uh, my dad, too. I, I give them so much credit for not following exactly 
society's expectations and wanting us to be different. Although I know that they are also still challenged with certain uh, elements of those expectations, the same way that we are, by the way, it really wasn't until I think it was my personal experience because it hit so close to home that we are forced to look at things differently. We are forced to like accept the things that we can't change and say, okay, how can I learn from this, but also show up better so that these things don't continue to happen in our community. And I really think that it's just like you said, I think we went through it together. I will never take for granted the support that I had from them and how much we all were like, okay, something isn't right here. Something doesn't feel right. How can we change? And I know, I know it was difficult for them. I know it was difficult for my dad when I was like, listen, I'm, I'm moving to Dubai. Like, I'm, yeah. so, I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. I, I know that was really difficult for him, but I think because we have such a trust, trusted relationship. And I think it's because there was a point where I couldn't, even if I wanted to hide how I was feeling and what I was going through, I couldn't like there was no way I could hide it. And I think of them seeing, seeing the pain, seeing the hurt, seeing how I rose above that too, and pushed through and made myself better instead of sulking and, and, or rushing to get married again to the wrong person. I think we got to the point where there's a mutual respect because they respect me as an adult. And Yes, I may not be where you were at at my age, but none of us, our entire generation isn't where our parents were. None of us have the opportunities that they had. None of us are put in a position where like we have to raise an entire family in our early 20s. It's not the same. So the difference is, is that we are the generation, specifically millennials, that are learning how to be very different than our parents lived. And it's, it's difficult because we think it's wrong. So we think that there's something wrong because we're not following the same footsteps. But the reality is there's no way we could follow the same footsteps that they did. No it's way. impossible. The world is different. The opportunities are different. The economy is different. The, like every single thing that would make us get to the point where they were at is no longer the same. So why should we have to, co- like, we can't copy their lifestyle. So I think when we get to the point where we mutually understand that about each other, they also gain a different type of respect. And that's one thing that I can really give them a lot of credit for. And my siblings too, and my brother is that they get that we're doing the best that we can with what we were dealt. Although our lives right now look very different from they were, it doesn't make it wrong. There is no right or wrong. It's just what's working for you at the moment. You know, when you were talking, I just, it hit me like, I don't know if you've ever realized this, like maybe, yeah, this was like the first time you and I went through divorce and it was not something we signed up for. But have we ever thought of the fact that our parents also never signed up to have a child that went through divorce? Not that they're shaming us. I'm not talking from the perspective of shame, but what about our parents navigating their child going through something so traumatic, so heartbreaking, so difficult, and them having to be the parent when they've never, I guess, even experienced this themselves? We wanted our parents, our siblings to be there for us, but it's like you think about it, like who was there for our parents having to navigate this part of our lives, which also in turn was also a part of their lives because you got to think about it like, yeah, we had to always answer to our parents and maybe what they expected out of us, but our parents also have their siblings, their parents, their extended family that they also had to answer for and show like, hey, like I'm trying to raise my kids to the best of my ability in this foreign country and raise them with our values and our morals. Who is there for our parents when we are going through stuff like this that they also have to answer to and and help us navigate. But it's interesting because like you said, like, honestly, like, I can't thank my parents enough for who they've become and how much they've grown and the boundaries that they're now setting. Like to be able to teach my parents how to set boundaries is incredible. And to see them implement that is also incredible. So now when we talk about singlehood and navigating the single lifestyle, I feel like us millennials are getting more comfortable because our parents are kind of also in a way getting acclimated to our lifestyle. And now I feel like we are so comfortable with singlehood because the next person we want to find, 
I feel like some of us might think like, hey, I want a husband that's there for me, not somebody that's going to block anything for me, like meaning like not getting in the way of my dreams and passions. Like we've gotten that confident to that point because when we got married, maybe I'll speak for myself, it was almost like, yeah, like, yes, I get to be married, do what I want, travel all that little that I know that I was like signing up for a nightmare, but that's a story for another day. And <laughs> now, like now I'm thinking about marriages and like, okay, I got to make sure this is the partner I want because I don't want them to get in the way of my dreams, how I want to live my life. Like it's almost like now we're not looking at it from a scarcity mindset. We're looking at it from like, are you going to benefit me in any way? Are you going to add value to my life versus feeling like, oh no, I have to get married because like I need to get out of my parents' house. That's just like a whole different journey now. Like and how did you feel about like being single after being divorced? Because I think that's also something that I think you said you resisted at one point. Can we like talk about that a little bit more? That is definitely something that I think we're all still learning too, is now we're like, we're not looking at, we're not looking at marriage as like, in terms of just logistically, like procreating, this is what makes sense. This is what we need to do. This is what society needs. We need to, which yes, all of those things are good for us. And I, I try to really emphasize, especially through my writing that no one is anti partnership, like we're not advocating for that, but you're advocating for looking at it from a different lens, a lens that is going to be helpful and fulfilling to you in the long run, right? Because like you said, we don't need these things. Getting comfortable with being single is realizing I can meet all of my own needs. And I know that sounds very like cliche and it sounds very like all the memes that you see on Instagram about like loving yourself first and all that BS. It's There's so much truth to it. Because you're put in a position, like I was saying, at some point you get faced with the reality that you're like, all right, I got to deal with this, whether I like it or not. So I have to get comfortable with it. Like you get to a point where you're tired of your own BS and you're like, I got to do better. So how am I going to make the best of my situation right now? And when you face that, and every single person does at some point, in my opinion, someone, a, a person that's self-aware enough to want to get to that point where they're like, all right, how am I going to do this the right way? That's when you realize that I can meet all of my own needs. I have so many goals and ambitions outside of partnership. It's an outed bonus. It would be something that benefits me. It'd be something that would make add value to my life rather than me trying to fill a void. I think that when any person that's single, especially after divorce, and especially in our community where it's still uncomfortable for a lot of people that so many women are, you know, taking their power back. Absolutely. I really don't need this. It's not, if it's not making my life better, why am I here? And I think that once we grasp that concept of like, I am my own person, I can find happiness in so many things outside of a relationship, then it makes your decision when that time does happen, it'll make it that much better. Right. And it, and it goes both ways. Like it's also you realizing like I've been working on myself and I've been, you know, I went through all of this shit. I'm not going to do it for nothing. I'm, I have a lot to give as well. There's so much that I can give and so much value that I can add. So why not make sure that it's with somebody that really would understand and appreciate that too and understand the value in that. I think this is a perfect transition to talking about what you're studying right now, because I just thought about the idea of our male counterparts were raised in the same households that we were raised with the same cultural constructs that we were raised with as well. And it's almost like they were raised with this idea, maybe not anymore. I think we look, we're evolving, but like this idea of like us women are pure and perfect and everything like, you know, that whole, like, what is it? The wrapped candy or something like that. <laughs> then you meet me and May who have gone through our own fair share of like divorce. So it's like, can our male counterparts handle that? Were they equipped to handle women that might not be like, this might not be their first go around in regards to being married and having a family and starting a family and meeting your family. Like we've been through that, done that. And now we ended up with the divorce. I want somebody who is able to handle all that I've gone through. I'm not throwing it on you, but I want you to be able to accept what I've gone through the same way I've accepted it. And let's both move on and start our own life. Because I think a lot of times, like if our society is looking down at a divorced woman, are we raising 
our male counterparts also to look down at divorced women? And are these men going to one day marry these divorced women? How are they going to treat them? Or is it going to be thrown in our face again? Like, you know what I mean? So this is a lot that I also think about. Like, I want to be with somebody who is very open-minded and and we're, we're so highly regarded in our faith. So why can't we have that mirrored in our culture? For me personally, I have not met anybody that looked down upon me. So I do want to put that disclaimer out. So that's why I feel like we've evolved. Like, I haven't had any pushback, but it, I get it more from the women in our in our society where I get that look of pity. So I've never really received it from any guys that, you know, you're interested in, you want to talk to. Like, it was just always like, oh, you've been divorced. Okay. Can we talk about what it is that you're studying and how important it is when it comes to navigating a new relationship and navigating this world of meeting the one? I think we think about like, yeah, meeting the one, but do we even know the entire, like, do we understand our male counterparts? Do we understand why they are the way that they are, what they think and what they've gone through? Because they've had their fair share of trouble too. As much as, you know, we've gone through our own stuff, they also have a lot of pressure too that they're facing. And I don't want to discount that. Yes, I definitely, I'm with you. I can honestly say that I have not met anyone that has ever made me feel less than or has minimized my uh, worth or my value because of that story. However, I have met people and I have encountered people. And again, I don't think that they are aware of it. I truly don't think that they realize what they're saying that look at it as, oh, I, I like you even though, right? And I'm just like, you should like me because of. It's something that I'm not going to pretend like, I can't pretend like it didn't happen, even though, yes, different lifetime, different stage, different person. There's so many things that I don't connect with anymore from that part of my life. But I think it's about meeting someone and, and getting to know someone that wants to know that side of you as well. That says, I like you and I want to get to know you and I want to start a life with you because of all of these things. Not, oh, it's cool that you were divorced. I'm like, gee, thanks. I wasn't asking for your <laughs> Like, Yeah. It's it's weird though to even navigate that because it's like you want to talk about it, but at the same time, like you said, you want to disconnect yourself right. from that. Right. I do have a friend who she just recently opened up to me and she said like she's had her fair share of trouble, not a divorce. And the guy she's talking to is having a hard time navigating that. He loves her. He wants to be with her, but he's having such a hard time wrapping his mind around everything that she's gone through because of how sheltered he was. You don't think of guys being sheltered. Maybe they can go out and explore the world, but they're sheltered when it comes to this aspect of being in a relationship with somebody who has gone through certain things. Yeah, they have. So that's definitely the angle that I have been exploring a lot more. And what I have realized is that I've learned that we have to kind of come more from a place of compassion and understanding. Because most of the time, and maybe a lot of people won't agree with me on this, but most of the time, people are truly doing the best they can with the tools that they have and the knowledge that they have. And you cannot dismiss the way that you're treated by somebody or the way that a man approaches you by just him as an individual. And this is just how he is. And maybe he's an ass and maybe he's this or selfish or whatever. You cannot dismiss it as just that. You are dealing with someone that also, like you said, has their own story and was raised a certain way and was probably in many cases, and I'm generalizing here. So this is 100% not the case for everybody. But in our culture specifically, a man that was extremely coddled by his mom, like to the point where he does no wrong, even if he makes mistakes uh, or does something that's uh, disrespectful or unacceptable, it is dismissed and it's kind of just taken for what it is. It's never talked about. It's never um, acknowledged as you have to do things differently. And their needs are still met completely and by the mother, like with unconditionally met. And in a lot of cases, Again, I'm generalizing. The father is not emotionally present or present at all. So they are not taught anything about emotional intelligence. They're not taught how to deal with women. So their image, their impression of a romantic relationship is going to be, and this is pure psychology based on the relationship that they have with their mom, which is the first female relationship that they encounter from a, when they're born. If you have someone, which again, in many cases, is not being challenged by 
their parents, by their mom. They're just kind of allowed to do whatever they want, or they're told this is what you need to be. This is how you need to show up. And you're the boy and you're the man and you have to carry our name. And like, you have to make sure you're successful so you can take care of us when we're older. And this is the type of woman that you have to marry. Imagine, imagine somebody trying to bring all of those beliefs into a modern relationship. How? Like it's, there's no way it's, it's a recipe for disaster. I have personally noticed, not just with my own experiences, which for sure has happened and it's very eye opening and it's extremely like disturbing, but with many, many of my friends, men that want, they want a woman like you or like me, they, they are impressed by it. They're, they're fascinated by it. They want something different. They want to be challenged but they have these ingrained beliefs of, but this is probably not right. Like this is probably not going to make mom happy, even though they logically and rationally know that this is good. And this is the times that we're living in. And this is what I want. And I'll, you know, have an adventurous and fulfilling relationship. They're still being told this is not right. This impression, this role, this woman, she's too independent. She's too experienced. She's too outspoken. She's, you know, is is not going to be right for you. This loop of harmful beliefs that you're talking about has been on a continuum until you decide to show up and you're the one interrupting it. So since you're interrupting and you're putting a wedge into what they've been taught, you're the bad guy now. Not only that, you enter this marriage not knowing the relationship between the mother, father, and son. Because a lot of times you don't know until literally until the papers have been signed and you're entering this family not knowing their family dynamics and what they've been raised with. Because you think it's going to mirror your family. It's going to be similar to your family. Like my parents were okay with me being independent, working, having a job. And it's interesting because I feel like a lot of times we enter these marriages having to reverse 30 plus years of what our spouse has been taught. And that is a load that I'm not willing to take on. That is a load that I've taken on before and I am not willing to do that again. So what do we do in this instance? Where do we go from here? There's a lot of individuals that, yeah, there's a 30 plus years of harmful beliefs that you have to reverse out. They're good people. They want you, but they also want to respect their family. I understand that. But there's that disconnect of what their ideal daughter-in-law is versus who you are and what you bring to the table. So it's, it's difficult. Yeah, it is. It's really difficult. And it's a huge disconnect. And honestly, Dunya, it's a big problem in a lot of relationships. I can confidently say that it's probably the number one issue in most relationships now with women and men in our age group is the difference between how we are, who we're becoming as as women. We're playing very, very different roles than what they are used to. So there's a lot of contrast there and there's a lot of conflict that comes out of it. There's a couple of things that we can do in this case. One, is the man aware of that this is happening? Is he aware enough and is he willing to work on it? Because there's no point of even having the conversation if you're dealing with someone that's saying, nope, like this is not right or completely dismissive of the differences. But there is... The second part of you don't necessarily, you shouldn't play the role of having to reverse 30 years of, of an upbringing. That's no burden that anybody should carry. And also, it's I don't think that it's possible. No, it's not. So I think there you're kind of setting your yourself up for heartbreak in a way. So what you then have to do is kind of, I think, figure out between you and the other person, do we have enough shared values that we can progress and evolve together. And that's really like the foundation of it all. Because if you don't, again, it's pointless. Because then you're going to have less of a tolerance for all of those, those ingrained like habits and expectations that may not ever go away. There's a chance that they may not ever go away. There's a lot of things that you can do. You can lead by example. You can have conversations. You can, you know, try to make your partner more comfortable expressing his emotions and naming emotions. It's very, very important. There's no way that you can kind of live, you know, unless you want to live the rest of your life on autopilot and just completely like disconnected from yourself. You know, let's face it. Some people are fine with that. Some people don't want to do the, the hard work and that's okay. But like for people that 
want to change and want to have more fulfilling relationships and less conflict because of the differences between, you know, the way that they want to live and who they are and their in-laws or their own parents, then you have to do difficult things. And that may be a lifelong journey, unfortunately. Like, and I know that we would like to think that there's an easy solution, but there isn't. And it really, it can work and it can be really, I think, profound and fulfilling if both people are open to it. Like both people have to come with open minds and open hearts and and understand that if we want to have a deeper and more meaningful relationship, these are uncomfortable topics that we have to face together. And I think for women, as frustrating as it can be, it is really hard to try to talk to someone or try to open up to someone or have someone open up that is not ready, that is not ready to open up or that just simply doesn't know how. As basic as that sounds, does not know how to. It can be really difficult. But if, like I said, if you think that this person is is worth it, if you think that your values match, then there are ways to level up and become more connected. You don't ever want to tell someone, your mom fucked up, yeah, <laughs> you know, worse. Like, exactly. Cause you're putting them in defense fair. mode now too. They're going to defend their parents. Cause that's all that they know is right. Exactly. You know? It's not fair. I think, and I think it's not fair and I think it's not right. It's not the correct way you can lead by example. And again, it's not an easy thing to do, but I think it's in many ways, it's probably one of the only ways that will actually make a difference. Absolutely. Because that's how I felt like the whole idea of like reversing 30 plus years, like I could never just sit there and say your parents are horrible because that's not right. You know, every set of parents have their own struggles and the way they raise their kids, they thought that's what's best. And like, who am I to tell you, no, you're doing it all wrong. It's just like, if that's not aligning with my values, it's not aligning with my values. So now it's up to me to decide on what next steps I want to take. I posed this question to on my personal Instagram to like male followers. And I asked them like, what is one thing you wish people knew like that you struggle with? And a lot of them said their emotions. Surprisingly, they said that we really have no one to really just kind of vent to. And that is so true. Imagine like, I mean, I can't wait for my next girl's night to roll around so I could just like vent. They don't have that. And then we've normalized, like alhamdulillah now, we've normalized therapy, but for us, like, I don't remember the last time I heard an be guy saying, I'm going to therapy. I have not. At least I. they probably are in therapy and it's private. And I understand that, that that should be private if you want to keep it private. But it's like, they're not very public about it. So they might not even be seeking it either. So imagine having all that pent up things that you've gone through, just having it all inside of you and not being able to release that and let somebody kind of like and have a discussion with somebody about that. So again, like we're raising not everybody. Again, this is just general, like some men with emotionally absent fathers and mothers who have completely unconditional love for them. Like some of us maybe never received the unconditional love from our moms. It was conditioned because our reputation was our on, on the line because honor matters. So there is no unconditional love for Arab daughters. And it's so hard to say that. I see a lot of women that like, there isn't that unconditional love. So there is a huge, yeah, th- there's all these disparities between us and our male counterparts and how we were raised. If like we're navigating this thought of like finding the one, like I would want to understand them better. I would want to understand how they're raised. I would want to understand because the first go around was not fun. I didn't know anything. I didn't know any better. So I was just going to something like truly like it was a blind marriage, but like you don't want to do that again. So I I commend you for studying this and for wanting to look deeper into this because I don't know why we never really thought about it. Like, yeah, it's, it's our cultural constructs. Like how does that impact us and how is it impacting today's relationships? Do you have any other findings or anything else that you're kind of looking to that's like you found it to be interesting that you want to share with us? Yeah. So based off of everything that we just talked about, another really significant element to this is just like you said, they don't have an outlet to release their emotions, right? Let's just say that that's the case, you know, in most male, like males growing up with moms that are just overly giving, overly caring, coddling, giving them everything that they need every single second of the day, and then not having strong enough male figures to uh, balance that dynamic. In a lot of ways, the mom also, the mother is seeking the attention and the love from her son that she's not getting from her husband. I know this is kind of like messed up, right? But it's absolutely true because it's subconscious. They're they're not aware of it, but this is how they operate. So 
they are expected to fulfill, to play so many roles. And on top of the roles that they're expected to play in their own individual family dynamic, they are also not given the space to be sad or to be like upset or scared. They're not given the space to feel any of those things or to even understand what that means. And why am I triggered in this way? Why am I sad about this? Why am I embarrassed? Why did I have, why do I have shame attached to this incident that happened? There's no space for them to explore that at all. So then what ends up happening is because they're being overly coddled and they end up becoming emotionally detached and distant and avoidant because they're so overwhelmed by like affection that they end up seeking partners, probably the complete opposite of that. And they end up not knowing how to emotionally show up in their relationships when something is met because every single relationship is difficult and every single relationship has challenges when they're met with a challenge in their romantic relationships they shut down Mm -hmm. completely Mm -hmm. they completely shut down they can't not only can they not they just don't even talk they uh, and i've noticed a lot of common reactions are just stonewalling ignoring completely like quieting down not knowing how to respond not knowing how to soothe or console or comfort the other person like extremely dangerous i would say strategy because they just simply on the most basic level don't know how they don't know how to to say, I feel like this. I feel sad. I feel hurt by what you did. I feel like you're overbearing. I feel like they just don't know how. And then, of course, for women, because like you said, we're expressive and I can't, you know, I wear my heart on my sleeve Same. and I can't like I can't wait to tell like 10 of my girlfriends what is, you know, we have so much support, even though we may not like realize how important that is. We have most of the time armies of support or at least at least two people, at least two people in our lives that we can fully express and and talk to about our our problems, what challenges we're facing, our emotions, all of it. They have no one. So imagine, imagine how difficult that is. And the way that it manifests itself is by shutting down. And it's probably, I would say, the most common like dynamic between couples. I've seen it. I've, I've witnessed it. I've experienced it. I've heard about it from my friends. And I think that it really almost 99% of the time comes down to their relationship with their parents. In that way, you can approach things from a place of compassion and from a place of understanding. And like I said before, from a place of, is this important enough for me to be patient with this and to try to work through this if the other person is also willing willing and open. But that's definitely something that I think we need to really help bring more attention to because it's coming, it's like toxic behavior where, and that's why we're seeing more divorces. That's why we're seeing more women being single for longer because they're like, I don't want to deal with this shit. Like, I don't know how to, I can't, I can't fix it. And like you said, sometimes it's not having to reverse 30 plus years. It's just understanding the nuances between us and our male counterparts. For some people, like, yeah, they've gone through really horrible relationships. This isn't to give excuses to their behavior. It's to give explanations from both ends. Nobody is, you know, everybody has their issues. It's not just our male counterparts that are the reason for divorces. Like it it could be either or. But I'm just saying like the idea of just like giving an explanation because a lot of times, like, yeah, they they don't really have anyone to talk to. Like, I literally shared this the other time. Like, for us women, the first therapy session was with our girlfriends. Like, we were already kind of exposed to therapy in a way by just being able to phone up our friends and girlfriends and, and talk to them. So, yeah, like, to you, if you're in a relationship with somebody and issues are arising and this person is, like, detaching, it's because they don't know any other attachment style or any other solution or any other way to go about things because of how they were raised. For those of us who are not married yet and you want to be married and you want to be with somebody because I think it's just such a beautiful journey to be on with the right person. The idea of marriage, I think, is just such a beautiful thing and it's just such a blessing to be able to even experience it again with the right person. But like if you want this, you also have to do the work. I think we need to stop rushing into these huge commitments 
and understanding who it is that we're getting in a relationship with. How is their family set up? What are their family dynamics? What are their values? What are their morals? There's a lot because a lot of us are so accepting of one another. But as soon as the ring goes on that finger, all of a sudden, like reality sets in. And then you start realizing, like, our families actually don't mesh. You don't mesh with my family. I don't mesh with your family. This is not how we do things. All of this starts coming up when it should have been coming up from before. We might not have all the answers today, May. Like, this was an impressive conversation, (laughs) but like, this opened up my mind of like just being more, like you said, just being more compassionate and understanding. How willing are you to want to work on this relationship and understand your partner? And again, this goes both ways, like them understanding us and us understanding them. But it's like, I'm also hoping that with our generation, we are changing these harmful beliefs. I I have to say they're harmful beliefs because they are creating a lot of toxicity between couples, between people who are married. And it's so unfortunate to see two people who are so right for one another. But again, Allah knows at the end of the day, but you seeing them, they're so right for one another, but the family disapproves, you know, for reasons, wrong just reasons. for wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. I, I can't even define it. Like reasons that just do not make sense Islamically, even our, in our faith, like it just does not make sense. It's just the idea of like this family disapproving them for X, Y, and Z. So I feel like there's like, there's a lot to work on, but I do have such high hopes for our generation. I, I created this podcast for women, but appreciate you for coming on here and like just lending our compassion and our grace to them because we do share this dunya with them. And yeah. they're not horrible beings, not all of them. I think it's <laughs> no, just the not. way we were raised. And mm-hmm. if you mm-hmm. want to start a life with somebody, I think we need more of these conversations just to better understand one another. And again, like they don't have the outlets that we have. So honestly, I, I can't even imagine a life of not being able to vent to my loved ones or my siblings or my friends and whatnot, like not having that and having to be the man of the house, having to, again, please your mom and be there for your mom and not only like, you know, support now your new immediate family, but also like your parents too at the same time. That's that's a lot. That's a lot that we don't think about too often. And I think it's like almost like we've all accepted it. Like, yeah, you have to do this, you know? But I still will not go back on my word if we're going on a first date, you're paying. We are not splitting the bill. (laughs) I will not ever change my mind about that. But I just hope people understood the gist of this conversation. I honestly like just commend you for being able to take on this task and wanting to study this and understand it better. So kudos to you for doing the work for the rest of us. I I really appreciate you. Thank you you so much. No, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. You're also very incredible and very impressive. And I think that our community really needs a platform like this. And we need something that is as consistent as you are. I I always Thank told you, you, I told I you, like, I commend you for your consistency because it's very easy to like get caught up in our day-to-day lives. And, but you're doing, you're doing the work too. And I really, really appreciate it. I think that we are making progress. I think that we're evolving. I'm generally very optimistic Uh, So for me, when I decided to explore this, it was coming from a place of, you know, obviously my own experiences and my own uh, letdowns uh, with certain people and and, and family and understanding different family dynamics that are very, very like different from how I grew up. Uh, But it also it gives me a better perspective and it, and it helps me let go of that resentment. Right. Yeah. Cause I think that's another thing that we tend to do is we tend to build up a lot of resentment of like, why couldn't you do this for me? And why couldn't you be different for me? And why did it you like, but most of the time, and this is like a tough pill to swallow. It's not about me. It's not about how this person couldn't show up for me. It's how they, it was their own personal journey and accepting that they were on their own journey. And maybe it wasn't meant to stop with me. It was meant for them to continue and maybe meant for us to talk about. (laughs) Absolutely. It just goes back to the idea, like, honestly, you never meet anyone by accident. Like, subhanAllah, like how every single person has a purpose in your life, even the moments where they're very dark and you wish you you, you never want to relive them again. But it's like, again, Allah knows best. And But it's just like, I hope we kind of continue to bridge the gap between men and women. And, and inshallah, we have healthier marriages, healthier relationships, healthier understandings of one another. Is there anything else like coming up on the horizon that we can look out for that you're working on? Michelle, any more articles you'll be writing? Um, yes, and where can people yes. find your articles? Because I mean, I personally know how to find them. I can link it. But if there are any other platforms that you want to share with us. Yes, for sure. So a lot of um, my previous work has is on Miss Muslim, which many people are familiar yes. with. I'm working on a couple of, I have some articles that are published now on Kedish and that's at getkedish.com. They have 
a blog section that I've published a couple of articles on, uh, and then I will continue to contribute to. I have my own website. It's called May, M-A-I-C-M-S-I-Y-A-M.com, where all of my work is found there. And you can also reach out to me on that platform if there's anything that people want need to explore more. I know I get, which is really, really nice. And I appreciate it so much. I do get a a lot of messages on Instagram uh, for people that want me to like dive into specific topics a bit more. So I'm always open to doing that because it gives me more ideas. Um, And you can find me on Instagram, May, M-A-I underscore Abdel, A-B-D-E-L. I I love that because I do get like, because obviously when you create episodes, people want certain topics to come up, but I would love to just like forward those on to you for you to do a little bit more work on them and just like, like extensive for sure. because you, Michelle, you do this extensive research on this. And I think that's what we need. Sometimes it's hard for me to find a guest to line up with a certain topic. But yeah, I absolutely love the psychology aspect that you bring in. And and I just think it's so, it's just phenomenal. So I appreciate you, May. Michelle, like I absolutely Thank love you. you. I love your work. I'm so glad that, I don't know how, but we crossed paths. And I honestly just like, just honor you and the work that you do. And I think this was a very healing conversation. Like I've never had I hope so. this type of conversation when it comes to divorce it's always like ah it's like you know you're just like yeah. it's still angry but it's like alhamdulillah this was just a conversation I think that we all needed and I don't think you even have to be divorced we did talk about singlehood and it's just I think a lot of people appreciate this because the one thing that will never go out of style is relationship exactly. struggles <laughs> I hope they cease to exist one day but it's we're human we come with our flaws and it's like you hope you find a partner that can accept you but also allow you to grow and better yourself and I think that's what we all aim for at the end of the day so inshallah khair and again I hope, inshallah, we have another conversation soon. But thank you so much, May. Honestly, it was an honor having you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.